The following program is rated PG-13. Parental supervision is advised. All right. Let me get my clothes on here and put my pants on. All right. Nobody's naked, right? All right. Poseidon, the ruler of the seas and all that dwell within them. His rule over the oceans is unquestioned. There are those who serve him with tridents and with infinite knowledge of all things submarine. They are known by many names. Coners. Weaponeers. The Merry Men of Sherwood Forest. But by Poseidon himself, they are called... The Subvets. Uh, and you have to understand, if a submarine is out of communication, or even a moment, that has to be reported to the captain, uh, or excuse me, to the officer of the deck. Uh-huh. If you are out of contact for any extended period, that has to be reported to the captain. Extended period being about 10 minutes. Uh, at DEFCON 3, which is the high state rating if we were at, it had to be reported immediately to the captain. 20 minutes had went by, and we had been unable to reestablish communication. Uh, there was a lot of anxiety. This was unusual. It had not happened, you know, in my experience. Um, Everybody's imagining the worst. Absolutely. Uh, compounding this was the fact that we had a hostile Russian contact, a surface ship in the vicinity, very near us, and we were aware of that. So uh, going to the surface or near the surface to deploy another type of antenna to listen to shortwave, which is, you know, there are a lot of redundant systems to communicate with submarines. Shortwave, satellites, just like you mentioned, long wave. Got an EAM and a telesite verified? Very well. Con radio receiving emergency action message. Receiving emergency action message. Chief of the watch on the 1MC, alert one. Alert one. <laughs> you know what that means. Alert right? one, alert one. Hey there, submarine fans. This is Eric from the subvet.com. That's how, how I used to introduce my old uh, submarine videos. So, yeah, we're, we're just trying to get, the, get, get into the atmosphere of what we're getting ready to talk about today. Some exciting stuff, Dave. And this is Dave, who and always I'm hated Eric, who always hated <laughs> Alert One, Alert One, because you know what that means, right? I'm the target means- guy, means I'm getting out of bed. Unless yeah. by some chance it's just a communications exercise, but mm-hmm. you know there you but go. But there so. would be sometimes. You remember the uh, I, well, it had to been the same on a trident. There would be sometimes it, it just they were just getting information. It'd be alert one, alert yep. one, calm, calm and wake you up, and you're like, oh gosh, here it's coming. Everybody, I go to battle stations, you know, WSRT, and then and then it and then you just wait a little bit, and then it didn't get called out, and you're like, oh, I can go back to sleep. The ones hey, I, do you remember those times? Yeah, the ones I hated were the retargeting strikes because those are the ones I knew I was getting up for. And you know, if you're just going to go to right, straight to battle stations for a WSRT, that's great. I'm all for that, but uh, I don't mind that. But the retargeting strike exercises, oh my god! Now I got to drive. Yeah, because well, my, I mean, I never got by my third, fourth patrol. No, I was the targeting guy, so I didn't. It wasn't even like I could just you know go and watch. I had to go and do and. Mm-hmm. So I never, I mean, obviously I never got into the, any of the targeting. So after all that melee with the Walker incident, you know, uh, missile techs, uh, top secrets were downloaded, 
you know, downgraded to secrets. And I don't even think we had access to the, to the targeting unless you were, unless you were trained down there in FTB land because the rates were separate back then. So unless you were an FTB, you just weren't involved with that targeting. So a lot of those times that's could, could be what I was talking about. I got to sleep in. Meanwhile, you FTB girls were down there targeting, which you deserve because when we were in port, you know, getting ready to go on patrol, we're working our butts off on PMs. You guys are drinking beer at the right at, at the uh, P- yeah. yeah. Yeah, we never, <laughs> we was we never did any PMs or anything. We never greased muzzle hats. No, you did, we, it didn't. We FTB, right? FTB first to the beach. Right. Yep, that's, that's all you absolutely gotta know. true. And if you believe that, and, and well, there you go. I mean, come hey, on, I'm man. digging it. Is that a PRP shirt you it got is. on? Man, I love that. Yeah, I figured I'd wear it today yeah. because of the topic, subject matter at hand is all about a. I don't even know how to describe this. Do you want to describe this? Well, okay, you being a uh, professional radio guy, I mean, and you. I don't even know how to, I mean, obviously your, your area of topics normally is history, which you do a great job. I highly recommend and listen to Dave's podcast, especially on the historical and the, uh, on the constitution too. Great, great stuff. And uh, you probably talked about politics and other things when you had your radio show. Uh, Was it, what, 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 what venue was it? Was it San Diego or? Modesto, California, Central California. Modesto, uh, Modesto and Stockton, California. We were actually based in Modesto, yeah. but we did so, Stockton as well. So we basically so covered I grew South up, Sacramento to Fresno. So I grew up as an AM talk radio guy. I mean, I really I listened to all those guys, Rush Limbaugh, the, the morning host, which, you know, could be a cadre depending on what mark you were. I mean, my dad got me started on that early. So not everybody is exposed to it. Some people hate it because, you know, you know, some people, you either hate or love Rush Limbaugh or you love the, you know, the other different ones. And there was a, a great mix of both uh, Democrat and Republican type uh, AM talkers back in the day in the nineties. And then they, you know, depending on what you follow, you know, s- some dominated more than others, but at the nighttime, when it got into the nighttime, you know, truck drivers, especially because, you know, truck, you trucking down the road and it's just you got nothing else to do. So you either listen to the same old uh, Alabama songs over and over and your country music. Not saying all truck truck drivers are a bunch of country music lovers, but, you know, well, you know, I can talk to my brother about that. But anyways, no, they would listen to Art Bell conspiracies. So Art Bell used to be he used to be he started off as a political commentary. You know, he, I think he did a daytime show and then he went into nights and then he just kind of slowly in the 80s, he started getting into talking about conspiracy type topics, you know, and it, it, it wasn't just UFOs and aliens. I mean, it was anything. And, and sometimes he would cover some um, hot topics of the day and get into it. like uh, during the OJ Simpson trials. I mean, he. He got involved. He got some guests and talked about that, you know, in the mid nineties and stuff, the Oklahoma city bombing, you know, all the, the big conspiracy. What was it? 93, the world train center, the first time it got bombed. If you remember that, but you know, Art Bell hate him or love him. And, you know, Dave's going to say, ah, it's just, it's just not me. He dominated, absolutely dominated the nighttime market. And for me, what I find interesting 
whether you get into conspiracies or not. It seems like a lot of the stuff he was talking about the mid to the late nineties, you know, and, and he, he turned uh, the show over to uh, uh, George Norrie in the early 2000s, the coast to coast AM. I mean, I mean, man, he just, a lot of the stuff he talked about is really starting to come true. It's what they, if you, if you're following UFO scenes, it seems like, the th- things that they were saying, there's just there's no way that any of this could be possible. But now, you know, the, the CIA, for whatever, with ATIP and, you know, the F-18s, they're following the Tic Tacs and all that stuff. You know, all of a sudden now it happened when everybody denied it before. So it's just interesting. A lot of the stuff that I used to follow back then, you know, uh, seems to be coming true now. But so I have t- I have trouble sleeping with all the medical ailments, which, you know, you've seen. We post from time to time. Well, it seems like to tap my channel on Facebook. Eric's dying. We all are going to die eventually. But anyways, I, since I can't sleep sometimes, I'll listen to the old Art Bell show. So I I was uh, just listening, cruising through the shows, and all of a sudden, I ran into one with a guy that called into the Art Bell show in 1997, October 22nd, named as Officer X. And he claimed he was on board the Ulysses S. Grant, my submarine my qual boat and uh, was talking about a crimson tide type situation. Crimson tide, meaning the movie, if you didn't see it, I mean, some of the younger crowd, maybe, I, I mean, it's hard to believe you don't know what I'm talking about, but I mean, we, you know, we've talked about that movie when we say it's a little crazy, but the drama is, it, it's, 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 it's a, it's a cool movie to watch from the, the drama and the suspense type thing, but you know, it is what it is. But, no, it gets into that that the whole real thing. Apparently, they broke communication, and you know there was a malfunction with the. Uh, um, I think it's the ELF trailing wire they were talking about. There's like a end to end loop test you can perform to make sure it's working. And apparently, when they got back to port, they found out it was shorted, and that's why they were losing communications. But they couldn't establish communications for several hours, which turned into six hours. And apparently, the department heads. We're trying to talk to captain and saying, Hey, you know, uh, we've lost communications. You know, the Russians have had it. Obviously the world's ended. We need to launch, which just, that sounds ridiculous right off the bat. You know why it sounds ridiculous? (laughs) What's that? Because it is ridiculous. Absolutely. It is ridiculous. But here, but the thing is the guy's calling in. But the thing is he identifies the boat he was on. Says that he was the communications officer on on the Grant and on a Los Angeles class, so he gives enough information where the guy can obviously be identified. And we're gonna as we play, we're gonna play a little bit of this. But as we get into it, we'll we'll discuss why why uh, that this is definitely there's just no way this could happen. But it also brings up some thoughts, and we're gonna have some maybe some uh, thoughts on nuclear weapons release. You know, with the with the hot potential hot war that we got going on today. And the fact that, you know, was there six, seven navies out there that got ballistic missile capabilities out there. So nobody knows how they're completely set up. And like Dave and I said before, we've been out a long time. We don't even know how, you know, what, I mean, we have an idea, but we don't know the exact nuclear weapons release procedures, you know, as well as we did obviously when we were in the Navy. So, so um, um just Go ahead. By way of, yeah. Just by way of starting this, yes, I did work in conservative talk radio for a decade. I actually worked in it longer, but I was a show host for about a decade. 
Um, my passion was for production. I much preferred to do production, although uh, I, I did enjoy hosting my show uh, for, for those years. And I have continued it as a podcast for now officially longer than I was actually on the air, which is kind of right. weird to me. But um, the the show, Conservative Talk Radio and Talk Radio in general, is it's theater of the mind, folks. And you need to understand this. It is pure theater. Even Rush Limbaugh would tell you to your face if you asked him, I'm just an entertainer. It's all I mm -hmm. am. There are people who make hay. I wouldn't point any fingers or name any names, but it rhymes with Glenn Beck, who try to position themselves as some sort of educator, you know, mystic, myst, mystical, Gnostic, enlightened, whatever. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, everything you hear on your radio, everything you hear, on radio or a paid podcast is about one thing and one thing only ratings mm -hmm. ratings equal money if you don't have ratings you're not going to last long now i'm happy to say that my show when i did it on air uh, we were beating everything but the country music radio station which in modesto california you can you can pretty much see why uh at, we were <laughs> <laughs> we had a good show. We had a good time. Uh, afternoon. I didn't drive. realize they had country music uh, radio stations yeah. in California. <laughs> oh yeah. So everything is about ratings. Everything is about sales. Everything is about getting you to listen to radio in what are known as increments. Now they don't do it this way anymore, but at the time that Art Bell did this show, the way radio ratings were settled was the company would send out the ratings company would send out books. And they're just little folding books. And you would, if you got one of these books, and you would get paid for this, not a lot, but you would get paid for it, you would write down everything you listen to on the radio and for how long. And the radio hour is divided into 15-minute segments. So it's 12 to 15 minutes, 15 to 30 minutes, 30 minutes to 45, 45 to 50, or 45 to the top of the hour. And if you listen to radio today, you'll notice that it pretty much sticks to that, except that radio people have figured it out. And this is why Rush Limbaugh did his, you ever notice that Rush Limbaugh's first segment of his show, which started promptly at six after he had, he had news at the top of the hour. He had one minute break, mm -hmm. six yep. o'clock downbeat for rush. And he always went to 23, 24 after the hour in his first segment. Why? Because that way, if you listen to the first segment of rush and that's all you listen to, he got a half hour of TSL, time spent listening, because you listened to two segments, quarter after and half past. So everything you hear in radio is designed to get you to listen longer, because then you'll listen to the ads and you'll listen to, now there's some, I had a general manager once who told me that's, you know, you pull on people's heartstrings, you entertain them. They'll listen through static. They'll listen through breaks because they want to hear what you're saying. This is why Rush Limbaugh was notorious for never getting to the blankety blank point. He could drag a story out for 52 minutes before he ever got to his point, if he ever got to his point. Now, people like me were throwing things at the radio because he was driving me up a wall. Get to the blankety blank <laughs> point, I would scream. But right. most people don't even catch that. George Norrie of Coast to Coast AM, or I'm sorry, Art Bell of Coast to Coast AM, 
was once interviewed and referred to his show as, quote, absolute entertainment, unquote. So mm-hmm. when you listen to Art Bell's show and when you listen to what we're going to play you this Officer X, keep in mind that Art Bell's goal is to keep you listening for more than 15 minutes at a time so that he gets credit for you listening to multiple segments. His TSL rating goes up. And he has learned what I call the holy grail of radio. Mm. There is a way to make money in radio. Most people will never achieve it. Most people will never even come close to it because it requires you to sell your soul. And most people can't do that or won't do that. And the answer to how to make money in radio is to be, and I'm sorry, I know this is a family show, but you'll forgive it this one time, to be batshit crazy. That is how you make money in radio. That is why people mm-hmm. like uh, the nut Alex Jones. It's why Art Bell. It's why the more crazy you are, the more successful your show is going to be and the more money you're going to make. Glenn Beck. <laughs> These are the people who make money because they are literally BSC. They don't believe mm-hmm. anything they're telling you. In fact, Alex Jones, during his trial for his uh, custody trial for his ch- children, was forced to admit on the stand that his entire show is shtick. It's an act. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I believe him or not, because I know people who know him. And <laughs> they were a little surprised by that. But these other people, Rush Limbaugh's, Sean Hannity's, Glenn Beck's, um, Art Bell, God rest his soul, will tell you that their show is absolute entertainment. Now, they'll tell you that because if it's absolute entertainment, it doesn't matter what they say. They can't really be held, the feet can't be held to the fire for their opinion if it's just entertainment. See? Mm-hmm. So I can't be responsible for the fact that I told people to go kill themselves so that they could get on the UFO following the hell Bob Comet. But right. he interviews this guy, uh, Officer X, he's going to call him. And Eric sent me this, I don't know, late last week, I guess, earlier this week. I don't remember when it was. I guess it would have been Tuesday of this week, wouldn't it? Because I was at the baseball game. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't uh, want to post it because I wanted yeah. to make sure we talked about my, it before I posted. My, my son and grandson <laughs> and I played hooky on Tuesday and went to the baseball game. So at any rate, um, I, I, I will tell you that I approach anything on Art Bell's show with not just skepticism, but bemused skepticism because I know what he's trying to do. That said, I was literally, mm, I'd give it less than 60 seconds into this guy's spiel, Officer X speaking, Mm -hmm. and my BS alarm was going through the roof. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he's going to say things that submariners of that era particularly will go, wait, if I stood here and told you that in 1984, I was the battle stations missile supervisor aboard the USS Utah, a Los Angeles class ballistic missile submarine. What would you say to me? I would say really (laughs) the Utah. And yet, (laughs) And yet these people are going to say things that are, Mm -hmm. if someone said that to me, Mm -hmm. I would call BS, but none of that happens here. Now he doesn't say that specifically, but if you listen to it, you'll hear what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. 
the story is fantastical. It is far-fetched and far-strung. It's, uh, again... I want to save some of it before... Because what I would like to do is play some of it. Maybe you can hold your hand up and say stop if you want to make a comment. And I'll stop it. We'll make some comments. And then uh, then I'll stop it if I feel like you make make some comments, too. But, no, I mean, there's a lot of great points. I mean, the the TSO, I didn't know about that, but I find it interesting what you said about Glenn Beck. Is it, but, you know, they, they all are entertainers. So even with the recent UFO conspiracy stuff that are being brought up, a lot of shows are carrying that stuff for the same fact. Let me give you one more example. Pick up any book that Glenn, book, Glenn Beck has written. Mm-hmm. Pick up any book. Go to Barnes & Noble. Go to your used books. Any book that has Glenn Beck's name on it. Open it to the title page and see who really wrote it. He has ghostwriters. They're not even ghostwriters. There are people Uh like Josh Charles who wrote a great book that Glenn Beck put his name on because Glenn Beck convinced him, and he says this in the intro, convinced them that with my name on it, it won't sell, but with his name on it, it will. Mm -hmm. That's a a great point. You know, in his early shows, because I ran Glenn Beck when he was out of Tampa, and he was he wasn't even really on national markets yet. I think he was starting to get out on him, but his was a comedian type stick, yeah. if you will, talking about you know the news, but they were making fun of him and his co-host Stu. And uh I can't remember the other guy. All right. His name. Let's, let's, yeah, but anyway. Shut up and we'll get to Officer X. Here you go. Yeah, let's get to, let's get to playing some Officer X. And of course, uh we're not breaking any rules here either by playing this show because I found it. It's archived with the was a the Library of Congress stuff. So so uh well, I'm, and then when I post it in in the links after uh when you listen to this podcast, that's where you will be directed to to listen to it. So let's li- listen to some Officer X. So he's already done an intro trying to state some of his credentials, you know, how he got into the service and stuff like that. And, you know, kind of setting up, like you said, dragging on. Go ahead. So speaking of the intro, since we're going to keep skip this, keep in <laughs> mind that this guy claims to be a submariner from the 1980s. Communicator. Communications mm-hmm. officer who went to boot camp. At- yes. I, I, okay. I, you know, I Art, missed that part. Art Bell <laughs> says to him, this is a quote. Art Bell says to him, my brother-in-law is a submariner. He's on the USS Simon Lake, which is a nuclear submarine. And X says mm-hmm. nothing. Right. And we all know Simon Lake is, well, you can Not figure that out. a nuclear submarine. <laughs> like the Utah. <laughs> okay. So here, here we go. Officer, let's hear some officer acts on the Art Bell Show. And here I am again. Officer X is my guest. A communications officer on the Ulysses S. Grant at one point, and then the Dallas, a Los Angeles-class submarine. A man who held top-secret SCI crypto clearances, but he's got something he wants to tell us, and we're about to get to that. Back now to Officer X, and let's pick up where we left off. You said Tomahawk uh, nuclear-tipped missiles, whether they could be, and they asked you if you were in concert with the mission, which 
could be retaliation. In other words, the U.S. Uh, or one of our allies would be hit, and then your job would be to launch your nuclear weapons in retaliation, uh, killing millions, no doubt, uh, of people, but it would be in retaliation because the attack would have already occurred. And you were presented with that question. How did you answer it? Well, to be honest with you, at the time, I think I replied a curt, oh, um, yes, sir, of course I believe in the mission of the nuclear navy. Um, when in reality, um, I didn't. And, um, you know, I had, I had had some time to examine um, that belief based on the incident. The incident actually occurred while I was on board the Ulysses S. Grant. Okay. So, did they... I- I, I don't know. Maybe this is one of those things I should have looked up back. Were officers? See, I'm not convinced this guy's an officer. I'm not convinced of that. Right. He says some things in the intro right. because of his ham radio background. They made him a radio officer. Right. I'm pretty sure it doesn't work that way. Oh, and he got his license when he was seven years right. old, too. So yeah. I don't remember. I mean, we had a nuclear engineer, sorry, nuclear engineer as a strategic fire control officer. So I'm pretty sure the Navy doesn't go, hey, what special skills do you have? And how can we use you on a submarine? Right. I'm, I'm reasonably sure <laughs> it's that it's usually happen. not. It's like, right. oh, you got a ham, you ham radio license. Yeah, ham radio, yeah. You're yeah. going to communications, communications and we're making you officer. Right. If he wasn't even officer, but, but are, were officers not subject to the PRP? Uh, I, if then, you had any, yeah, if you're a communicator, absolutely. You okay. had to be on a PRP. So, that said, in all of my years in the PRP, of which I'm pretty proud. I mean, I bought the T-shirt, right? So Yeah, got the T-shirt. <laughs> right, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. I don't ever remember anybody asking me whether or not I was, quote, unquote, on board with the nuclear mission of the United States Navy, unquote. I don't ever remember anybody saying to me, so if we were going to go retaliate, you know, would you, uh, would you be okay? Would you personally approve of that, Dave? Nobody ever asked me that. What they asked me were things like, you know, how are you feeling? Is your mind okay? I actually right. got a DIS interview at one or a PRP interview at one point because I went, this is, this is true story, right? Remember that the PRP looks at your normal behavior and then says, when, when you deviate from that behavior, they want to know why. What's going on that you changed your behavior? I got an interview once because I went 90 days without a speeding ticket and they wanted to know why what's what's oh, changed. Yeah, you talked about this yeah. one. What's changed. What's you, I've never heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> but I never got asked in, in, in all my years. Mm-hmm. I never got asked. So what's your opinion mm-hmm. of the nuclear posture of the United States? And would you participate in a retaliatory mm-hmm. strike? Mm-hmm. I, I, he starts talking yeah, about they didn't that. Ask crap, him. And I'm like, dude, nobody asked you that. That didn't happen. Well, the other thing, too, I picked up on, too, is I'm pretty sure I knew the weapons officers were usually LDO back then. Mm-hmm. But uh, all, I think all officers are nuclear trained now, too. And, and I'm pretty sure the communications officer was nuclear training. doesn't bring anything about going to nuke school or anything. But let's get right. back into it. Let's listen to it a little bit more. And um, I think probably I should I should just tell that story. Please. Um, you have to understand a, a lot of conditions conspired to, to make this possible, many of them unusual. And, and so perhaps, you know, 
people should not uh, go to sleep at night worrying about it probably does not happen very often. Uh, at the time, we were involved in uh, some fairly uh, intense negotiations and, and diplomatic wrangling with Muammar Gaddafi in Libya. I recall. Uh, this culminated in the uh, Air Force airstrike against um, uh, Mr. Gaddafi. Right. Um, that was ordered by President Reagan. Mm -hmm. During this time, of course, there was a stringent uh, Russian objection to that policy and, to, and, in fact, to that whole line of discourse. And uh, that uh, tension between the United States and Russia had built and built to the point that we were at a, um, a very high state of readiness. I believe we were at DEFCON 3 at the time, uh, which was, you know, a very high state of readiness. And through a series of um, accidents, stop, stop, push on the brakes, DEFCON 3. <laughs> Dude, I am so calling BS on this. Yeah, yeah. Do you know why I'm calling BS on this? Do you know what the date was of those strikes on Libya? It was 86. March 24th, 1986. Do you know? Yeah. I remember March 24th, 1986 super duper well because we actually were on the surface that day. Mm -hmm. I was on the boat. We're on the surface and listening to the radio. And there was music that I had never heard before that I thought was Michael Jackson turned out to be weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> and there was news reports about bombing Libya and a heated discussion ensued upon the mess decks about whether or not this was smart or not amongst people that have no involvement whatsoever in the political decisions of the United States of America. A bunch of E5s and E4s arguing on the mess decks about whether or not we should bomb Libya. Right. I was there. And I'm telling you, DEFCON 3 my ass. <laughs> and did you guys run up and tell the captain you needed to be able to, to launch nuclear weapons? Right. That's the first everything? thing we did. We said, you know, we better, <laughs> right. better go right wake up the, the weapons bat, right? officer and tell him that, you know, we got to be ready to launch any second now. Unlock that trigger. We got to go. All right. This is what. <laughs> adventures and just plain bad luck um, we uh, for a period of about six hours lost all communications with the outside world we lost um, we uh, originally ran over our uh, trailing wire antenna which is very easy to do you can make a, a sudden turn as we did trying to avoid uh, a surface contact trying to avoid being detected mm -hmm. we turned suddenly and the antenna, which is hundreds of feet long, um, does not turn nearly as swiftly, and you can very easily run over it with your propeller sure. and cut it. And sure. That's exactly what happened. Um, so momentarily, we lost communication. That was not unusual. It happened a lot. Um, we attempted to launch a secondary antenna, which is actually a buoy type thing, which floats just below the surface. Uh, and in attempting to raise the buoy, uh, the buoy malfunctioned. Uh, again, not uncommon. Um, but for, for both of them to happen that quickly was kind of strange. Uh, so we didn't have communications, but, but we really didn't have any reason to worry about it. That was, you know, we could explain both of those. I just want to stop. For what, for, when I listen to this part, the first thing is yeah, Crimson Tide came to mind. I mean, this, I mean, so 97, the Crimson Tide came out around the same time, right? 96 or was it 94, 95? have to oh. look that up. It almost seems like this guy's calling him with a play-by-play -play 
you know, with following the movie Crimson Tide. So the first thing, uh, Danzel watching it going, very well, cheaper to watch, fuck the buoy. <laughs> and then remember, remember the famous scene in the movie, it goes up and then it gets a, you know, the, the wrench go, uh, malfunctions, goes, hey, sound short. <laughs> you know, and I thought they got, so here's the same thing. You know, they think they got detected in the movie. Meanwhile, he claims that there was a Russian warship up in the area. You of know, of course, because that's way more interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's always a Russian warship on top of a boomer, you know, in regular well, war That's the way it was. You remember that, right, Dave? Right. That's yeah. I mean, I mean, there was at least there was there was a as a good my famous saying goes, there were six warships following us around on, on the patrol, you know, for in, three days in, in state <laughs> seven seas, right? In state seven seas, right? <laughs> All right. So here's the part I don't get. We were out of communications. See, again, I'm throwing the BS flag on that because there was a patrol where we, as he said, cut the wire Mm -hmm. because chief of the boat was on the dive and he wasn't paying attention. And so he managed to cut the wire. They refloated the other wire. They rethreaded the whole thing, floated the other wire. He cut that one. So he cut two Mm -hmm. wires. The buoys were broken because we were in very rough weather and they weren't sitting right or something. I don't remember what it was. And we lost one buoy. The other one was broken. And we actually did about six hours of alert coverage on the little antenna on number two scope. Run that up. Trying to stay at periscope depth in like state three, state four seas. It was pretty fun. Mm, but we yeah. only had to do a few hours of it. I mean, it wasn't like we did it for, for weeks. So, did you on the U.S. grant not have additional antennas that, I mean, tried to Absolutely, and he, and he claims, and when you guys get a chance to listen to this this whole uh, show, which we'll post, um, you know, he claims that they would never surface an antenna because the uh, possibility of getting, you know, uh, well, you know the sat- satellites of the day in the 80s, which were certainly more capable than people think. But like, like they pick you up just like that because you stuck a little antenna out of, right. out of the water. Tom but Clancy. no, that would, yeah, it's kind of like Tom Clancy type stuff. But no. So let's get back into it. We'll listen to some more here. Officer X. Incident. Um, we replaced the wire antenna, which can be done inside the submarine. And um, we deployed a new trailing wire and slowed down so that it could float to the surface. When this happened, we could not reacquire our signal locks. We couldn't you know, hear anybody, essentially. Um, That was very unusual. Now, we did some tests to ensure that the equipment was working properly, that the antenna was working properly, et cetera, and we, everything checked normal, but we had no reception. We couldn't hear anybody. Uh, And that was very unusual. (laughs) And, uh, uh, And you have to understand, if a submarine is out of communication, or even a moment that has to be reported to the captain, uh, or excuse me, to the officer of the deck. Uh-huh. If you are out of contact for any extended period, that has to be reported to the captain. Extended period being about 10 minutes. Uh, at DEFCON 3, which is the high state rating if we were at, it had to be reported immediately to the mm. captain. Um, so this became kind of a big deal. When, when 20 minutes had went by and we had been unable to reestablish communication, 
Uh, there was a lot of anxiety. This was unusual. It had not happened, you know, in my experience. Um, Everybody's imagining the worst. Absolutely. No, they're not. Uh, compounding this was the fact that we had a hostile Russian <laughs> contact, a surface ship in the vicinity, very near us, and we were aware of that. So uh, going to the surface or near the surface to deploy another type of antenna to listen to shortwave, which is, you know, there are a lot of redundant systems to communicate with the submarine. Mm-hmm. Shortwave, satellites, just like you mentioned, long wave. Um, but we were precluded from doing that because of the high state of readiness and because of the surface contact. Right. Um, so, I mean, as you can imagine. Oh, well, if you're, if you, <laughs> if you presume the worst, which exactly. you, which you have to, right. then no, obviously you you're not going to go to the surface, particularly if you've got somebody dogging you on the surface. So exactly. that makes sense, right? Exactly. Right. Uh, <laughs> See, this is what I'm talking about right here. Okay. Yeah. First off, let me let me correct that. It wasn't March 24th. It was April 15th, but it was still 1986, and I remember that day very well. So, uh, all right, why do you have to presume the worst? See, this is the Crimson Tide script, right? Right, right. With Crimson Tide, they had weeks of news reports and flash messages and this buildup. Of the, what did they have in 1986 board the U.S. grant that said, hey, the world, Libya? Libya, uh, Libya attacked the discotheque in Germany the previous December, and Reagan was mad at the at the the Libyans about it. And suddenly, this this takes you to the edge of World War Three, with no build up, nothing, <laughs> and we're out of communications for twenty minutes, twenty minutes, and this. So uh, again. You know, I am a submarine expert, but I'm from the 1980s. Um, normally down deep, don't we just have a trailing wire to kick kick up an ELF signal that mm-hmm. calls us to come up and get something more important? Right. I mean, and we're not know, constantly copying the is, broadcast. Whether he was an officer or not, he, he does set up the show enough. He, he sets up the show enough that uh, – um, he establishes he has some knowledge of submarine operations. So, you know, from my, so he says enough to like, well, it's believable he was on board a submarine, but rather this incident happened. Well, I mean, yeah, BS flags were going up everywhere. I skipped ahead a little bit, Dave, because, I, you know, we, we don't have a lot, a lot of time to do that. So let me see where we're at right now. Hold on. Attention. But I don't particularly remember a whole lot of Russian uh, public statements about it at the time. Exactly. And uh, and that, you know, is, is kind of my point in all this. A lot goes on that, you know, by necessity, people are not aware of, shouldn't, probably shouldn't be aware of, you know. Um, and this was one of those situations. Um, so when this officer, the senior officer, the navigation officer, became extremely frightened, um, he really assumed that the worst had happened. Sure. And you have to realize at this time, you know, I'm a, a fairly junior officer and I'm in a panic. Uh, working with my senior enlisted guys, trying to figure out what is wrong, you know, why we cannot receive radio signal. Um, and that's my primary concern. But I am, you know, becoming increasingly aware that, that this officer is, is panicky. Uh, the standard operating procedure in a situation like that is basically to go very, very deep um, and to wait because there's nothing else you can do. You don't have authorization to release weapons. You cannot come up and, and you know, um, launch a, a raise a periscope or another kind of antenna or send a message. You can't do anything. So you 
go deep and you wait and you hope that the signals come back. So we did that uh, for a period of about two hours. Mm-hmm. And the uh, in, in within this two-hour period, the uh, navigation officer became so agitated uh, that he went down to the ward room where the officers eat their meals and, and, uh, and actually went aft in the ship back towards the engineering compartment and the weapons department. And he began to kind of talk up his version of what was happening in the outside world, essentially that we were at war and that, you know, life as we knew it had ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. And there became, in this period of a few hours, uh, a kind of a growing movement on board the ship that perhaps uh, the thing to do would be to retaliate, to, to actually launch weapons. Um, you, could have done, you could have done that with no other authorization from land? No, uh, not you know, not with being without being in total violation of you know every regulation in the book. Could it have been done physically though? Yes. If, if, oh, if yeah. everybody in the ship had yeah. decided they were going to want well, to, well, and that's the problem. Unfortunately, everybody in the ship does not have to agree. Um, you know, about three or four key officers have to agree, and enough of the crew would have to be persuaded that it was the thing to do because obviously three men can't launch uh, missiles alone. Right. Um, but yeah, it can happen. All right, all right, I'm gonna stop it right there. So you got you got your whiteboard up. <laughs> yeah, now I can't figure out how to get rid of it. Yeah, now you gotta drop it. <laughs> Unshare your screen. I think it's at the bottom. He's at the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We we'll can't figure out how to get rid of it. Well, we gotta get that off of there, Dave. <laughs> well, I don't say anything bad. Too bad, anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. The uh, the story just gets more and more fantastical. I'll figure it out here in a second. But you 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 find yourself um, thinking to yourself, what what in the world is this guy? I don't have any idea how to get rid of this whiteboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right. His story is that the navigator was panicking. Why would the navigator be panicking? Uh, and why would anybody care? Yeah, and the navigator was passed over for command, so he's older than the captain, and he's mad. Oh, well, that makes sense-ish. Yeah, so, and, uh, oh, and then you got to have the whole crew agreeing. So, so there is some truth, you know, to, like Crimson Tide, you know, it kind of shows like just the captain and the weapons officer alone can launch weapons. And that's not true. You know, you, you do have to have a lot of the crew. They don't have to agree. So we we were young back then. And, you know, obviously we highly screened and, you know, your, 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 uh, uh, SF scores had to be such that you could, get, you know, handle the training and stuff like that to even get into that program. But you, so you're, you know, you're highly intelligent and skilled for the, to, to launch nuclear weapons, but you know, we didn't have a, a lot of input as to whether we were going to launch. We were just simply trained to make sure the system operated correctly, how to troubleshoot it if it didn't operate, and to make sure those things went down range when the order was given. We didn't get into any of the, the onboard politics, if you would, whether or not these things were going to go down range or not. If you get received the the message to launch. Well, that's just the way it was. I mean, it, it was going to go. And like we said that about Crimson Tides before, you know, the first, first validated message that they're going downrange. There's no calling them back. So, 
It's a man um, battle stations missile for strategic launch, second edition 1SQ. This is the captain. The release of nuclear weapons has been directed. Second edition 1SQ. Second nuclear weapons has been authorized as the XO. You know, so, but yeah, both of them would come on. So, right. And supervisor weapons, second condition 1SQ. My line, weapons supervisor, mm-hmm. second condition 1SQ, weapons supervisor I. Click. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say, because even the older systems might still be classified as day, but there were multiple keys and switches. And yeah, a lot of people and, and extensive procedures, you know, had to be done to get these things lined up to launch. But then again, you know, like I said, the crew didn't have anything to do with the po- political, like if, if there is any politics, right. whether they're going on. We, I, even as the officer corps, they, we weren't trained to be politicians. The navigator was Independently and, and, and it scared this little radio guy who was, you know, a young officer. It scared him to death because the navigator, the navigator then runs around the ship telling everybody yeah. that we're at war and everything's done. We got to launch. We're at war. We've already been nuked. There's no so, comms. I mean, <laughs> look, I, I get that there's a good natured and even real difference between the O-gangers and, and the enlisted aboard a submarine. I get it. And even to this day, I'm mm-hmm. uncomfortable referring to officers who I served with by their first name. I won't do it. I still call them Mr. Mm-hmm. So-and-so, Captain, whatever, XO. That said, I'm going to say this point blank, and I say this with great conviction. No officer I ever served with would have done that. and even. The one guy who was the worst officer, let's do quote unquote thing, the most incompetent officer, the man who once told us that we were roving the missile compartment the wrong direction, who actually knocked himself out with a periscope at one point, even that guy Mm -hmm. wouldn't have done that. Right. So I just, you know. To me, and this, this is kind of unfair, Dave, too, because, you know, it is like we said, you set it up great. You know, it's all entertainment. So for we're kind of spoiling it for those who have never served on submarines, because if you listen to it from the, the non-trained right. submarine, it's it's a great it's a great show to want. listen to. And that's it's what fantastical. And right. I mean, you're on the edge of your seat listening to it, and you just can't wait to listen right after commercial break and go to the next part. You know? And you send it so. to your congressman, and you tell your congressman, hey, congressman, you need to listen to this. So he signs it to some junior staffer to listen to. The junior staffer, who knows nothing of this, comes back a couple hours later and goes, congressman, you really need to listen to this. We've got a huge problem in the military. We've got a huge problem. And next thing you know, we've got congressional investigations and hearings about a BS show put on by a guy that's an entertainer about an interview with a guy that's clearly in my view, sorry, officer X, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you want to convince me, otherwise my mm. email address, dolphin, David, slippery fish.com. My phone number two Oh nine, five, six, five, three, two, eight, three. But I don't believe your story. And I yeah, don't believe it. It would be great if there was congressional hearings, because yeah. here, here's the fact is it because I had to, I had to cross references. I kind of remembered it myself, but in 1986, no, in fact, the Ulysses S. Grant was in the yards, an extensive refit period. I think they were getting record of all things right. too. So it was they were there for a while. So is that so? I'd be I would love for the bringer, uh, you know, who would who would be there 
you know, testifying to Congress, uh, Comsa Lant or something. Right. And, and uh, yeah, the admiral's up there going, uh, well, Congressman Ulysses S. Grant was in the yards. Can you prove that the grant was in the yards there, Admiral? It'd be um, like those hearings they did a few months ago. Uh, yeah. Admiral. <laughs> Admiral, are you I mean, some – oh, geez. Some of these congressional it, hearings, you know, Guam might tip over if oh, yeah. military people. Yeah, this is – we'll, we'll just listen a little bit more, and then we'll, then we'll talk uh, a little bit about, you know, what's going on in the world today relative to this topic. And uh, – and uh, basically, the situation grew more and more heated. Uh, the weapons officer essentially sided with the navigator and, and stated publicly that he believed the captain was wrong and that he was being too cautious and that, you know, he should um, go to the surface and, and you no, know, try to establish communications, that he should do more to no, try to resolve the situation. No, he and, did not. What were the rules regarding uh, – you said you had a surface ship uh, that was that – was, close to you or dogging you or did they know you were there no no, no. all right um what were the captain's options regarding surfacing uh he's got a russian ship above him we might be at war he would have no way of knowing for sure at that moment essentially under the rules of engagement at the time he had no option his option was to go deep and wait and that was the option he exercised um uh, the problem became it's kind of this internal atmosphere in the submarine. There was no problem with the regulations. There was no problem with safeguards. All that was in place. All that was working. It was all fine. Um, but, you know, the internal politics, human nature, sure. over, was sure. the problem. And uh, uh, essentially it got to the point where there was the, the crew was so agitated that the captain felt the need to post literally an armed guard uh, at the um, small arms locker, because the weapons officer has key to that locker, and so do a few other senior officers. And he was he was really concerned. He posted an armed guard at the small arms locker to mm. make sure that that no one gained access to these. You know, like so. I mean, this is definitely we did look. You did look up when Crimson Tide was made, right? What, what, when did when did it come out? Crimson Tide was released May twelfth, nineteen ninety five. So yeah, I mean this is this is following the script. It's following the script. So I'm it's, sorry. It's just uh, armed guard, armed guard at the small arms locker. Because the weapons officer might do that, might <laughs> might try to rebel. Right. I mean, come on. Dude. I mean, I'm not trying it's to be rude or anything, but uh, and uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> just, and well, and. No. and, and and you know whether Art Bell knew like this was pre-set up, like th- you know this was all set up prior to them doing the show or not. I mean, he do- does a great job. Like you know his his cadence, like you said, you know they kind of slow the show, not getting to the point. It's kind of like a slow. Yep. It's like the beat is real slow, and the way he talks, he talks it out and he drags it out, and then Officer X gets on there acting all nervous and tries to speed it up, and then Art Bell kind of slows it down. Well, what about this? And could he surface the ship? Right. And, uh, and the climax you know, of this whole thing, because I can't take anymore, <laughs> Eric. I, the climax of this whole thing is they're about to tell, they're about to do the big reveal, and Officer X has to go because somebody has 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 called him and said, you better shut right, up, right. Right, which is, you know, yeah. again, it's perfect radio theater. So you don't, 
that leaves you in the position of being able to make up your own mind about what happened next. I can write my own story in my head and that's what people do. And Mm. I, I, look, I don't know who this clown is. And I, and I use the term clown somewhat hesitantly because he might actually be an officer. But if you were an officer in my Navy, um, I'm glad you're not now. I'm glad you got out because yeah. 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 Yeah, no. see, I see, you're right. Well, he did, you know, before the, it, they did, re, thank God they did it, reestablish communications, Dave, you know. Yes, thank God. Cl- close, close call. Yeah. I mean, I hate to be, you know, uh, you know, by the way, what, did you guys on the grant? Spoiling you, the, right. the, yeah. By the way, did you guys on the grant when you were in the yards not practice brake trail exercises? Did you not know how to get away from a Russian surface ship? No, we didn't. No. Uh, we didn't know how. See, we did. I mean, we we practiced that all the time. <laughs> well, it's, it's just, I mean, it's, like I said, if if you have no submarine ex- experience, it's a great, great show. So, I mean, I think you, well, it, if you have submarine experience, I think you should listen to it because you'll laugh the whole thing. Like <laughs> or, or you'll end up like yeah. me. You'll end up throwing things at the screen going. Yeah, it throws a... Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, too, you know, like Rush Limbaugh. There was a lot of people that listened to Rush Limbaugh that absolutely hated him, and they kept listening every day to hate him. Because he was a master (laughs) at that, yeah. Because it's kind of the same thing with this. If you're a submariner, it's going to be driving you bonkers. But if you're not a submariner, you're going to be going, oh, my gosh, is it it really like this? So, anyways, we're going to post a link to this since it is an Internet Archive Library of Congress thing. You know, that's why we can play some of it. And uh, yeah, you can listen to it for free. There's no cost. And um, matter of fact, a lot of his old shows from the '90s are there. If if you're an Art Bell fan like I am, so because I I buy into a lot of this stuff, I get caught up in it. And I know it's fantastical, but it's 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 like Dave said, it's theater of the mind, and it's just it's good stuff to to pass the time. You know, like Jack Bauer. You know, 24 great series in the early '90s. But you know, you know, but in fact, there's not one independent guy running around you know, shooting and stabbing and torturing people and saving, saving the world by himself. But it, you know, it's great to think that. And, and boy, and then, like you said, the show made for fantastic ratings. I mean, it absolutely killed right. for, yeah, for, for at least five seasons. I think it was on seven seasons or more, but you know, I mean, I didn't see every se- single se- season, but it's like all I said, it's, it's the, the theater. Yeah, it's all, all about, about the ratings. ratings. Great stuff. But so so to kind of parallel show so it it comes into mind so the, there's nuclear weapons release protocols for for any navy that's out there going but the concern being that there's a lot of navies out there that have ballistic missile submarine capability some less capable <coughs> North Korea than others India certainly is getting pretty capable yeah uh, Pakistan's I think it's got a boat fielded. So there's a lot of players out there. So w- what we don't need, though, is, you know, with the Internet that we have today and the way that uh, uh, politics and theater, if you will, can travel so quickly, you know, through uh, social media, you know, it gets people all worked up, you know, like over this Ukraine thing. We don't know what we've discussed this before. What 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 you see in social media and what's really happening is two different things. But then, you know, and then you get then it translates to, well, what's the nuclear weapons release protocols for all these different navies? So there's a lot of people as compared to when we serve that have nuclear weapons capability. So it it makes me nervous at night, you know, because 
I know to some great responsibility that NATO countries and and I will say Russia too, you know, are pretty responsible about nuclear weapons procedures, anyways. But as the same with you know the Chinese. North Korea, definitely, you know, these uh, India and Pakistan, you know, who knows? But what we don't need is everybody's independent because it seems like you, you go on Twitter and and uh, uh, Facebook, more, more Twitter, you know, going, here's a lot of people's opinion. We got to launch nukes now. We got to, we just need to nuke Russia. My favorite is people's saying, you know, lefties, if you will, saying we got to nuke, nuke these people or we got to go and take them out. And they've never served a day in their life. And they certainly would never serve in the military. What they don't realize is if we did get into a war, guess he's going to serve in the war. You know, these loudmouth guys, you know, with their business degrees, they're going to get drawn into the war and off you go. Have fun. I mean, you wanted it. You got it. <laughs> well, that's assuming it lasts long enough to to draft and yeah, even get that I, far. <laughs> you know, look, coming from my perspective of things, um, there's there's a lot of talk right now about tactical nuclear weaponry, which is mm-hmm. an interesting or discussion. micro nukes. And and I have long said, and I believe, and it's it's one of those philosophical discussions that you can have. Throughout most of my life, the theory about nuclear war was it's. It, Mutual assured destruction. It's unwinnable. You cannot win a nuclear war. And I've said, for as long as I can remember, I've, I've said that's a myth. It's, it's, it's nonsense. It's all in how you define win. And if you, can, if, you, if you get leaders that think that they can achieve their, their aims, your life is meaningless to them. And you need to understand that. If they can achieve their aims by using a nuclear weapon, they're going to do it. Because they mm-hmm. don't really care about you, and they have a, a higher degree of survivability than you do, so that creates a situation where we need to be more aware of what's going on. Uh, I live literally three miles from from Swiftpack, so I just sort of assume that if we ever go to a nuclear war, that mm-hmm. I'm toast. Uh, Play with nuke map all the time. What size weapon do the Russians right. have? Air burst, ground burst. Either way, we I'm should post to... that link too. Right. Yeah, we certainly need to post that link but, as well. But it's yeah, something yeah, you look up to... a base. So yeah. everybody's got a base near them, and right. you just need to keep that in mind. We go into a war. There's a I'm, chance you're going to get nuked. I'm pretty pragmatic about the whole thing. I mean, in the big scheme of things, what's the difference between the giant asteroid and the Russian nuke? I mean, I'm still mm-hmm. dead either way. That said, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't speak out and I shouldn't say things to, I've talked to my congressperson about it. You know, look, there are things that we could be doing proactively. There are rumors, again, these are rumors, that in the 1950s and 60s, the United States shared with the Soviet Union, as it was then, our one-point safe system so that it would mm-hmm. do exactly that. I'm, I'm it would create, that. Yeah. yeah, it would create a situation where there was better control. And the view of the Eisenhower administration and the Kennedy administration was that it's better for them to have this technology than to not have it. So right. whether it's true or not, I don't know. I haven't become president yet. But when I become president, after I look at the file on the K-129, that's the next file I'll look up. Did we, did we give them this one-point safe technology or not? 
because mm-hmm. and we sh- we're still working on your presidential campaign, right? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. still on That's... for 2024. No, oh, wait, wait a minute. Uh, we haven't announced that yet. Right, 2028. I'm running for governor of Wyoming, so I need at least four <laughs> years in Wyoming as gubernatorial experience before I run for president. So that's right. <laughs> and I figure it seems to be old white guys are the the choice. So by then, yeah, I'll be yeah. I'll be in my seventies. <laughs> we'll be good to go. <laughs> and I, I like your book. We should be more worried about holding, like you said. It's gotten to the point where politicians, no matter what country you live in, don't really care about you. You're expendable. So we should spend more time securing our own individual countries, if you will, working on our own governments, holding our politicians accountable, then getting in and then whooping everybody up online and social media and talking about nuclear war. Because nuclear war is an ELE, just like the movies, an extinction level event. Whether, whether you like it or not, if it, you think it's not winnable, no. you, you well, know, the radiation clouds are not to you. You're going to kill the planet. It Nothing's going to grow for a while. <laughs> See that the thing that's remarkable to me is since the 1980s, when I was in the Navy, the left, the political left has always been anti-war, 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 anti-war. War is War is unhealthy for children and other living things. Remember those t-shirts? Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. But now, for God's sakes, the Speaker of the American House of Representatives is standing up in front of television telling me that God wants me to pay for bombs for Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another spending bill getting right. rammed down. And I'm, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I'm realizing that we're coming to the point where rationality is rapidly leaving and war is a very irrational act. Nuclear war, doubly so. And the more irrational mm-hmm. people we have, particularly in our leadership, um, the more of a possibility it becomes. So we need to rein in these irrational lunatics. I, it would Nothing would please me greater than to go to bed tonight, get up tomorrow morning, and the political left, the Democrat Party in the United States, be anti-war again. Please go back to being the anti-war lunatics that you were from the 60s to, the, to now. <laughs> And that would be great, wouldn't it? It's, I would be right. a lot happier. I would feel a lot better. And mm-hmm. I would be a lot more certain of where we're going to be tomorrow because, you know what? Um, I've been a conservative, political conservative my entire life. I've had my finger on the button. I've slept between nuclear mm-hmm. weapons. And I'm telling you, I don't have any rampant desire to use them. And mm-hmm. I don't know anybody that does. Yeah, and I agree. Once we've been trained on the weapon system and knowing that it works, being stationed at No Two in Cape Canaveral, testing. I mean, I did. I mean, I didn't do all those launches, but you know, I worked on over thir- at least thirty rockets when because they slowed down the cadence. But you know, the, the system works, and it's it's worked very well since its inception with Polaris. So the whole idea and the reason we did those tests is, hey, it works. So let's just not do this. And Russia does the same. Hey, our system works too. So let's not do this. The point is, is you know, the reason we even field them, and we don't field as many. And there, were, there was 41 for freedom on top of the Ohio-class submarines. There was a lot of firepower out there. Mm-hmm. We don't have as much out there now because it's got, you know, it's not needed. We had literally thousands of warheads each, you know, to the tune to four to 6,000 between the two, you know, two countries, you know. I, I mean, how many warheads do you need to, to make it winnable? And it's not winnable, so you don't – even even a, a just a few few strikes, I mean, just makes the environment trash. So it's just 
hold, hold your governments, you know, your local politicians, you know, start even your local community, be more of a, let's fix our countries and more and more about that and then get involved in other people's wars over in Ukraine and stuff like that. Or, you know, let's get back securing our borders too. You know, that's another thing. I mean, let's just, you know, start at your local level, worry about securing and then work your way up, talk to your congressman. Let's stay off of the talking about the button for. Do you remember back in the eighties? <laughs> back in the eighties, this was a pretty common thing in England. The 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 local city councils would declare their boroughs, their little cities in in England, as non nuclear war zones. So so Watford Gap would be a non nuclear. You know, we we don't believe in war in Watford Gap. So the Russians, if they invaded, were supposed to stop Watford Gap and not invade because we yeah, don't believe right, in yeah, war. Yeah. Hey, we yeah, don't believe in war, so you can't come. In. Like there's signs right. posted in the Russian. Right. Oh, no they have a here. sign. Oh, so, yeah, we can't yeah. go go in here. But you know what? Again, I'd be a lot. War is a messy business. That. I'd be a lot happier. For he said, "War is a messy business, ladies and gentlemen. Very messy yeah. business." Well, I got a lot of stuff to get on to today. So I. You want to get a hold of me, FTB1, Ballman, uh, Dolphin Dave at slipperyfish.com. And I'm Eric and Eric at the subvet.com. You can go, go to my Facebook group, Facebook slash group slash the subvet. And on Twitter, I'm, gonna, I'm starting to post news. I'm going to try to see if I can do that. Also on the Twitter feed as well, the subvet feed. So you can go to this and you can go to my website, the subvet.com. And, and uh, hopefully we're going to start spending up more content. Where you got so uh, look look out for that and help support the page and uh, I do have a donation link for to PayPal if you go to the subbet.com slash donate and uh, I don't know if Dave's got one or not what well, well, but uh, it, it, we'll post those links as well so we'll post we're gonna post that nuke map the link to this podcast and uh, links to our, our show pages and everything too and uh, yeah, this should be a great podcast for you guys to listen to and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you the next time on because we are the, the subvets, subvets. <laughs> screwed it up again <laughs> <laughs>